0: Um, last week we talked about being hungry, being hungry for God and how long it's been since we've experienced a, a um, real move of God through a worship service, through a Sunday morning, through a youth service, through a Sunday evening service, um, and uh, trying to entice ourselves to get hungry, to build our appetite for God because it's so easy to do in this in the physical realm but in the spiritual realm it seems like nobody's hungry anymore. And um I believe that this morning's message is supposed to be preached to this church this morning and it's a key ingredient of having God move. And um let me just tell you real quick obviously since you see the the title of this morning's message already, the letter F has gotten kind of a bad rep over the last, you know, many, many years. And, you know, it's basically been, um, this particular letter in the alphabet has been relegated to the trash heap of our culture, right? The F word, the F bomb. Don't think it, that's bad. But the message this morning is the real F word, forgiveness. Now, I told a lot of people um, about You know, hinting that I was going to be speaking on the real F word and I got fear, I got faith, I got father, I got, I probably got 10 or 12 different words that weren't what I was going to be speaking on. So, um, this morning it is all about forgiveness and through this one incredible word, we as a church body and with God and with others and ourselves can find peace. Amen. See, we worship this morning One of the reasons we should worship is because we have experienced forgiveness, amen? We have not only received it, we have experienced forgiveness forgiveness we have had a slate that has been filthy and grimy and dirty and god has cleansed it all has washed it all but not only that his mercies are renewed every morning which gives you an opportunity every single day to ask god again for forgiveness for your thoughts for your actions for your deeds for your what you're looking at isn't god beautiful he has the story of forgiveness now this morning's message, I want to start, and, and let God do something, because um, through this word, we'll bring much healing, we'll bring much healing into this church, and into this city, and in this county, and obviously our nation and world, if people can get the word forgiveness. Now, I want to start by telling you a little bit of a story, and I heard this uh, from a pastor and uh, th- I was inspired by it, and I thought this is perfect I'm going to use it and God I need you to move and anoint this word In fact, let's pray right now for God to do that Father we thank you for this day We ask God that your presence would remain in this place in a sweet thick way God We ask Lord Jesus that you would touch our hearts that you would challenge our hearts But God most importantly that you would change us God, we ask for your anointing upon the Scripture and upon the Word of God that it be sharper than any two-edged sword, God. Dividing even our thoughts and our intent, Lord Jesus, this morning as we listen to you, God. In Jesus' name, and everyone said. Now, I want to tell you a story, and I heard this. There was a a pastor who went on a jog, and he he was jogging. And he came up to this, he was in a busy freeway on a sidewalk, a six-lane highway, a freeway, very busy, cars traveling back and forth. And he was thirsty, he stops at one of those gas stations that kind of pose themselves as a gas station. They're really like little convenience stores, but they happen to have some gas pumps out there too. And he stopped and he was getting something to drink, and he sees another jogger coming down the road. And this jogger was actually... um, Uh, behind uh, a leash, and on the end of a leash was a big Doberman pincher. Who knows what kind of dog I'm talking about. A big, don't lose me here, this is not a a miniature pincher. This is a huge, mean Doberman pincher that would be a guard dog and would tear you to shreds, okay? This is a big dog. And this big dog was on this leash leading uh, the master, I should say, master leading the dog, but they were um, thirsty, and what he does is he goes into this same gas station, and what he does is he actually ties the end of this leash onto a bench that was sitting nearby and then ties his Doberman onto the end of the bench. Makes sense? Some of you have probably done this to keep your dog stationary while you take a break or go get a drink or whatever. So this dog is on the end of this leash, and this dog is just sitting there while his master goes into this gas station and gets a drink to quench his thirst from jogging. And, and this pastor comes out drinking his water, and he's just kind of standing there, and he's looking at the Doberman, and the Doberman looks back at him, and they're kind of making eye contact, and this is a big dog. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, for no sudden or apparent reason, this, something gets into this dog and, and, and startles this dog. And this Doberman Pinscher, there's a six-lane f- busy highway freeway out in front of this bench. And this Doberman all of a sudden gets startled and makes a mad dash towards this busy intersection. And, of course, he's attached to this bench. And this bench is, is bolted into concrete. And this Doberman takes a mad dash for this freeway and bench and all bolts, concrete, shrapnel comes up out of the ground and this bench is flying behind this dog. True story, heading towards this six-lane busy freeway. And of course the pastor is just kind of standing there like, What just happened? And this dog takes off towards this busy freeway And all of a sudden, right before he gets to this SUV, of course, all these cars are screeching, coming to a halt, slamming on their brakes. And right before this dog gets to this busy freeway, he stops. And this bench, with the momentum, continues to swing around and slams into an SUV. Dents it up and kind of causes some damage to this SUV. Then this dog is still starter, takes off the other way as fast as he can, stops, and this bench swings around again right towards a Volkswagen and smashes this Volkswagen, this huge, heavy, wrought iron bench with concrete shrapnel and bolts and iron on the end of it, tears this Volkswagen up. And, of course, the pastor and the owner are like, What just happened? Can you imagine seeing that scene? Can you imagine being there? You just stop for a drink, and a Doberman unleashes and drags this fence, or this this bench behind him, causing all kinds of damage to these vehicles, avoiding death himself miraculously. Now listen very carefully. When it comes to today's message, you realize that a lot of us could be compared to this Doberman. And I want to talk to you this morning about being leashed up. You know, we are leashed up as people to anger and resentment and unforgiveness and pain and hurt. And we are swinging this thing around everywhere and everywhere we go, We are causing all kinds of collateral damage. We are bringing all of our garbage into all the relationships that we get into, all the business partners that we get into. Now, I want to ask you this, because I believe that if we can understand this word this morning, that a lot of healing will take place. Now, listen, we're leashed up to all these things, and we may not realize it, but we are dragging this thing around. We're causing collateral damage to ourselves. Destroying the potential that God wants us to live out in this life. And we're destroying it. And we're blaming it on this bench. Because we're leashed up to it. Now listen carefully. I want you to understand before I get into the heart of this. That unleashing unforgiveness is unnatural. It is not somebody who is just good at it. It is not somebody who loves to forgive, who loves not to hold grudges. That's not how we're wired. As, as a good of person, you know, as good as we think we may be, that's not how we're wired. We are flesh, we are humans. we are making decisions by choice, and a lot of times we choose poorly. That's why I thank God for forgiveness. So listen, this morning, I want you to think, obviously we don't like to forgive, but we we like holding grudges, we like taking revenge. We not even like, we don't even just like hold, we like actually paying people back. I'll get them. I will take revenge on them. And that is not biblical. So let's look at this. The question this morning, listen, this is an individual question for every individual person in this room. Who is sitting on your bench? Now think of this. It could be a, an ex-spouse. It could be a mother or a father or a step-parent. Or a child, a daughter, a son, an aunt, an uncle, a teacher, a principal, a business partner. Do you understand that all these people could be on this bench? Depending on who you are. Who you may be holding a grudge against. Who you might have resentment towards. Who we might be angry with. Who we have not unleashed unforgiveness towards. And this is what it's doing to our life. Well, maybe they died ten years ago. But do you realize that if you have harbored unforgiveness for 10 years you are saying that you are basically saying you control me. You have you ruined my life. You have ruined me. You are controlling me. You are keeping me from my potential. But that usually is all in the head of the person that is leashed up. And they have a choice. Or they can drag this around, causing all kinds of collateral damage wherever they go. Bringing these people, these people on your bench may not even know they're on your bench. Do you understand that? But do you understand when we choose to hold on to these people and these situations, we are destroying our lives. Our lives are being destroyed. Now, this is a beautiful message this morning, and I want you, it's very simple. It's very simple this morning. How do you even begin to forgive people who have hurt you? How do you even begin to do it? Have you ever said in your prayer closet, you have prayed, I I forgive them. God, help me to forgive them. Have you even gone to that person in an attempt to make things right, but maybe did it in a poor attitude and made it worse? Or have you gone to them and made it right, and it it was made right, but then in your head you can't let go of it? How does this happen? How do we unleash this? Something supernatural has to take place. Something from God has to take place. Now listen. Matthew 18, 21, if you would go there. Now you have to understand Simon Peter back in the day. You... He was probably going through a similar circumstance. So he comes up to Jesus and he's thinking he's all rough and tough and a hardcore and kind of cocky and proud of himself. And he's kind of being a show off here in front of Jesus because he is dealing probably with an issue of unforgiveness in his heart that he is holding against someone. Someone who has messed him up, someone who has messed him around and done him wrong. And Simon Peter goes up to Jesus Now you realize that Jesus is the master. He knows all. He understands all. He created all. He designed all. He knows your thoughts, your intent, what you're going to say before you say it. But he lets Simon Peter proceed. And Simon Peter, it says, Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven. Now think of this. Back in the day, back in the day, When rabbis, rabbis would consider it a great thing for people to forgive three times. That was like, you are a forgiving person. How many times? So Peter, listen, he's he's being kind of show-offish here. How many times should I forgive? Peter knew that it was good for the rabbis that they would forgive three times. So he comes up to Jesus trying to make himself look better and say, how many times shall I forgive Jesus? Seven times? Right? So he's kind of being, I'm better than the person who forgives three. I can forgive up to seven times. See, he's like showing off here. Simon Peter's making an assumption. We make assumptions about forgiveness. We think that we can just do it once, or if we just do it over and over again, I forgive him, I forgive him, I forgive forgive me, forgive me. It's just done and taken care of because we we use our mouth so much. Okay, but listen to this. Forgiveness is more, listen, forgiveness, this is so simple this morning. Forgiveness is more for the offended than it is for the people who have carried out the offense. Do you understand that? You will not, you cannot hold a grudge and I'll show them I'll be angry forever at them. They don't even, they might not even know you're angry. Their life is good and we're thinking about what wrong they've done to us and we just we think revenge we think payback we think i'll show them i'll be angry i'll hold on to a grudge i'll hold on to resentment they've hurt me i'll show them and we end up leashed up and dragging them around everywhere we don't trust people Forgiveness is a beautiful thing. Listen to this. Jesus obviously was the master storyteller. He could tell a story like no other person. He could make a point in parables and he would compare it to things and people would, they would get it. And remember last week we talked a lot about food and how we use food food a lot. But listen, this is what Jesus said. He's saying this to Simon Peter. Now, if you're Simon Peter, you know Jesus is going to bring out some amazing story. You're probably going to be thinking, why did I even bring this up? Why did I bring up this whole forgiveness piece and think I knew what to do and what I was talking about? We don't. So Jesus says this in Matthew 18, 23. Therefore... The kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. So this is a king with a lot of money and a lot of riches. And he was calling in all of his servants who owed him money. Can you imagine? Everybody who owed him money he was bringing in, he wanted to settle them. This king didn't need money. He just wanted to show his power. I'm going to bring you all in and you're going to pay me back what you owe me. This king... And we, we'll call him the bling-bling king for the youth's sake. They can understand that. This king had all the bling-bling, had all the money that he needed and more. He didn't need paid back. But he was bringing in all of his servants to settle accounts and say, all of them are going to pay up. And you know, back then, if you didn't pay up, you understand you couldn't file chapter 11, chapter 13. You were dead. You were in prison. You were tortured? Not just you, probably your whole family. What does unforgiveness do to our families? Now listen. Go back to 1824. It says, as he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. So he focused in on this one man who owed him 10,000 talents. Let's put that in today's money. Today's money this guy owed this bling bling king the equivalent of $10 million. $10 million. Raise your hand if you were taken before a king right now and said, $10 million or you're dead, we would all be dead. This debt is a debt that you cannot pay. You cannot pay this debt. And this is the point that Jesus is making. Listen. Matthew 18:25 says since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had to be sold to repay the debt. It was going to cost him everything. Everything. Even his family. Now listen to this. This servant owed $10 million, and like I said, you were killed if you couldn't pay it. You were tortured if you couldn't pay it. You were sent to prison. There was no filing for this or that bankruptcy. It wasn't happening back then. Going, going on, listen to this. Listen to what the servant did. And if you are coming here for the first time this morning, this is a beautiful message For you. At the end, I want you to listen very carefully. But everybody, also listen up until the end because if we get this, then this church will experience some serious freedom. This church individually, new hope. Now, listen carefully. Verse 26 says, This is what the servant did. Can you imagine? The servant fell on his knees before this king. And he says, be patient with me, he begged. Be patient, please, he says. I'll pay back everything, please, just don't, just wait. I'm good for it. I'll pay it back, I promise. It was a, it had to be a pitiful scene. Of this servant begging to his knees, please, dropping down and sweating and begging for the lives of his wife and children and himself and everything he had worked for. He is begging and pleading with this king for forgiveness. Who is on your bench? Think of them. Think of the people. Maybe one, maybe four or five people that are on your bench this morning. Now listen to this, verse 27, check this out. It says, the servant's master took pity on him. He took pity on him, listen to this, canceled the debt, canceled a $10 million debt, and released him, let him go. Now this is a beautiful story of a king like our God, obviously saying, the debt is canceled. It's been paid. Everything is forgiven. Just go. But, uh, but I'm good. Just, it's okay. Just go. The mercy and the grace of this king. Unbelievable. Who can pay $10 million? Very few people. And those people who could pay $10 million will never experience forgiveness. Now, listen to this. This is unbelievable. Verse 30 says, but he refused instead. Listen to this. I'm sorry. Verse 28. Verse 28. Now, this servant, picture this. This servant, who had just been forgiven $10 million, went out. He is forgiven, he is to be sent away, his debt is canceled. This servant who was just forgiven and had been treated with much grace and mercy went out and found one of his fellow servants. So this servant of the king had a servant working for him. He found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. Now that translated is eleven bucks. $11. This servant who owed 10 million was just released and his debt was canceled and he goes out and finds a guy who owes, owes him $11, grabbed him and began to choke this guy saying, pay me back. He demanded this guy to pay him back. Unbelievable. This is unbelievable. This guy had just been treated with the most grace and mercy that he's ever experienced. Ten million dollars, you're forgiven, it's paid, you don't owe me a dime. You couldn't live how many lives back then and you couldn't pay that back. You were dead. You would die or be tortured forever. Forgiven, released. And he goes out and finds a guy who owes him eleven dollars and chokes and chokes him. And demands him to pay him 11 dollars. This dude did not get it. Right? He had received forgiveness. But he had not experienced forgiveness. Big difference. Now watch. It says, His fellow servant. Did the same thing to him as he did to the king. Verse 29. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him. The same thing. Can you imagine? Deja vu. I just did this with the person who I owed 10 million to. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him. Be patient with me. I'll pay you back. We're talking 11 bucks. Verse 30. The nerve of this guy who's been forgiven $10 million, he refused. And instead he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay back the $11. Talk about thick-headed. We do this all the time. God forgives us daily of our trespasses, our sins, our shortcomings, our iniquities, our transgressions, every day. And we have the right to hold people on our bench and not forgive them for what they've done to us. Who is on our bench? What people are sitting on this bench and you are tied up like that Doberman, dragging it around into every place you go, causing a lot of damage, not trusting people Destroying relationships Unbe- we are unbelievable. Now watch this. Let's go on. Matthew, can you imagine, can you imagine if the king gets word of what this guy did? Check this out. 1831 through 34 says this. Verse 31, "When the other servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and went and told their master everything that had happened. He was being ratted out. Can you imagine the fear that would grip you? Verse 32 said, Then the master called the servant in. Oh, it's judgment day. Unbelievable. And he says, Now this is the same master who had mercy and grace and forgave this guy $10 million. And said, Just go. It's all taken care of. And he, comes, he brings him back after this little episode. Did he even listen? Did he even listen to the king? In the first place. He says this, you wicked servant, he said, I canceled all the debt of yours because you begged me to. He took pity on him because you begged me to. I took pity. on. I forgave you of everything. 33, the king says, shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? The answer is Yes. 34 says, this is, now listen, can you imagine, this is an angry master now, an angry king with the bling bling loaded with money. He's mad now. In his anger, in anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. Now you and I both know he's not paying that back. He's gonna to be tortured the rest of his life by the jailers and in prison. Can you imagine? Now, listen to this. Listen to this, this, this irony. The king, the king, released the servant from prison. Okay? Let him go. The king released his servant from prison. And now the servant has put himself back in prison. many times do we do this? God forgives us and cleanses us and wipes us clean, and we by choice put ourselves back into prison. But we have been freed and liberated from prison, and now we take ourselves back to prison. That's what this guy did. What an unbelievable story by the master storyteller, right? I mean, if you don't get this how can we understand, how can we experience forgiveness? Sure, I've received it. I received your forgiveness. But if you haven't experienced, how do you experience forgiveness? Let's look. Now listen. The same as Christ followers, we have been freed. Amen? We have been forgiven. Amen? Is that why we not worship? Was that not a reason why telling God, you have cleaned my slate? You have renewed my mind. You have forgiven everything that I've done, everything I'm even, maybe my thoughts now. We're human. Sometimes we battle with thoughts. We'll try to think of positive, we'll try, and then everything I ever will do, I have the opportunity to be forgiven for. What an amazing king. The debt has been paid, amen? The debt has been paid, but when we harbor unforgiveness, we put ourselves back into prison back into the condition of what we were before we even understood the debt-canceling power of Jesus Christ and the cross and the grave. Unbelievable. Listen to this. Now, this is a verse I really wish wasn't in here. But be thinking of this. I know I left you hanging on the story and what happened after that, and I'll get to that. But just think, you're the Doberman. Who is on your bench? Who has messed you up, messed you around, did you wrong, jacked you up, betrayed you? Has ha, You've had resentment. This person's caused you pain. These people have hurt you. You blame these people from you getting and reaching your unbelievable potential in God and making a difference in this world, but you can't because these, these people may not even know they're on your bench. Who are they? An ex-spouse, a mother, a father, a daughter, a son, a school teacher, a grandparent. Who has betrayed you? Who has lied to you? Who will you never trust? Who, who is on your bench? Your bench. Now listen. Verse 35, we could all say, I ah, don't really want that to be in there. But listen to verse 35. God puts the ball in our court. He says, this is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you. Now he's, listen to how, what he's talking about. He's talking about the story that was just spoken of. If you're not going to forgive this guy, he says, this is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. Wow. I want a clear bench. Don't you want God's forgiveness? You realize without God's forgiveness, we're not going to see him. We're not going to see the kingdom of God. I mean, how many things do you want? It's up to us. How much do we want to be forgiven by God? We show God how much we want forgiven by Him by how much we forgive others. This is unbelievable. Now listen, this is how my Heavenly Father would treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. From your heart. This servant had received forgiveness, but because he had not experienced it in the depths of his heart, he couldn't even share it with other people. Who is on your bench? And if there are people on your bench, do we really understand the forgiving power of God? Do we really get it and how powerful and sweet and generous it is? I mean, in other words, it's like we're, we're leashed up to anger and resentment and unforgiveness and pain and someone who's hurt us. And in other words, this scripture, 1835, in other words, if we don't forgive people on our bench, God's coming after us. God is coming after us. I mean, we're it's like we're on a treadmill and you were leashed up and we'll call it the treadmill of torture. And... You have all these people on your... Can you imagine, picture this, if there was a treadmill up here, and I have four or five people on my bench, and I'm leashed up, and I'm walking on a treadmill. You're going nowhere. It's torture. It won't happen until we forgive Him with our hearts. Listen, we want God to move, amen? We need God to move, right? This is huge in this church. We must forgive each other. We must be forgiven and experience forgiveness by God. We must shed grace and mercy upon people that have done us wrong. There is, we don't understand that there's a huge emotional benefit to this. There's a huge relational, friendships, a, a huge relational benefits to this. And obviously a huge, all-encompassing spiritual benefit to this. If we can do this. When we unleash unforgiveness, we're we're like God. Doesn't God say that He created us in His image and we should change from glory to glory and be like Him? When we unleash unforgiveness, we're like God. We're like God. Can you imagine if God turned his back on us? We would be doomed. Can you imagine if he didn't have the grace and the mercy that was displayed at the cross? Can you imagine if he said it's a hopeless, multiple generations hopeless? The Bible says in the end times the love of many will wax cold. People will become lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. That's all around us, that's in the church. He, re- he repented and, and kind of said, Back in the day when he destroyed the earth with the flood, why'd I even make them? They don't love me back. I created them to love me back. Can you imagine him giving up and turning and not forgiving us and not having a plan? My goodness, we would be doomed. We would be doomed. It would be doom and gloom. But it's not! It might be doom and gloom for people who don't know God and when things happen like the World Trade Centers and all these things in the Middle East. You know what? What is holding you to this world anyway, right? I mean, we should be happy. We are approaching nearer and nearer to heaven. Can you imagine if he didn't have a plan and unleash his forgiveness to us? We'd have no hope. But now we have a new hope. Every day. Every day. Who is on our bench? Who is on your bench? Who do you need to forgive from the heart? Now listen to this. We'll go back to Matthew eighteen twenty-two Because this is answering Simon Peter's question. Because Jesus says, I tell you, Simon Peter, not seven times, but 70-times-seven dashes of multiplication, 70 times 7, 7. do the math, 70 times 7, that's 490 times, Simon Peter Peter thought he was hot stuff when he said, how many times, 7 times, (laughs) and he thought, well the rabbis, they thought it was a lot to forgive, 3 times, I can forgive 7 times, he says, you're not even close, it's actually 490, and it's actually not even that, I'm just saying that number to make a point that forgiving others should be a lifestyle. And should happen all the time. It should be an act of worship to God because that's how he is to you and that's how you are to others. Now watch. So Simon Peter is probably at this point, like I said, why did I even bring up this topic? Right? So listen to this. So many times Jesus is saying to him that you can't even count. It's a habit. It's a lifestyle. Now listen to this. Let's go. Let's go to Matthew six twelve. This rocks me. And I say the Lord's prayer when I was younger, at before and after every game when I was playing uh, sports, and and you know some people would pray it for their meal or at night or you know um, our Father who art in heaven. Everybody probably knows that prayer. You may not have anything to do with God or maybe living a lifestyle of that opposite of what would be an obedient-to-the-Word-of-God lifestyle, but you may know this prayer. But check out this verse in the Lord's Prayer. Unbelievable. One little word that changes everything, that puts the ball in our court. Matthew six twelve says, Forgive our debts. I mean, you understand how easy it is to ask for forgiveness when you pray. God, forgive me. Sometimes we're not even specific with God. We're just very general. God, forgive me of all my sins. You know them. Amen. Amen. Anything you're about your way. We ask God general forgive. We don't pinpoint it and say, forgive me for slipping up and swearing in front of this person that almost destroyed my testimony. Thank you for my grace. Please bring a situation where I, that can be redeemed and they can know you through me. Please. We're not specific sometimes. We're just like, forgive me of all of my sins. The reason why we're not specific is we can't number our sins. We can't even count them. The Bible says who would stand if we counted transgressions? Who would stand? No one. What are you going to say? I did greatness for you. You didn't do any. You, you didn't even ask for forgiveness for this or that. I mean, this is a big deal. Now listen carefully. Matthew 6, 12, forgive us our debts, our sins, our iniquities, our shortcomings, our transgressions, all these things, short word, sin. Forgive us of our sins, listen to this two-letter word that changes everything, as, as, I mean, we didn't even realize God was doing this in this prayer, I don't think, but God's putting this in this prayer To put it in our court and we're not even realize it until we really look at this and break it down. Forgive us of all of our sins as we have also forgiven the people who have wronged us and sinned against us. I mean, do we even realize that that's what that prayer says? We're telling God, hey God, I want you to forgive me. But watch, watch, I'm going to show you how I want forgiven. And then forgive them. Unbelievable! He puts the ball in our court. It's not just some "forgive us our sins." If we forgive those who just ask us. Leads not to. T-. We brush over that, saying, "God, watch me. I'm going to show you how I want forgiven." And we shed our forgiveness and grace and mercy upon the people that have wronged us in our life. They may not even know it, and we forgive them in our hearts. That's how I want forgiven. It doesn't matter what they've done, how much they've done. They've wrecked my life. They stole my kids. They signed this paper. They left. They've abused me sexually, physically, whatever, verbally. They have messed me up. We have messed around on God an unbelievable amount of times. And we're saying, God, the way you forgive, I'm going to show you how I want forgiven. This is how I'll forgive. Forgive me like unforgiving. Unbelievable. We show Him how to forgive us. And if we can't forgive people, my Lord, we are in trouble. This is vital. This is a key ingredient for God moving. You might have a mom or a dad that you that is like your biological mother or father, but they're not to you. They have messed you up and you have never forgiven them. And they're on your bench. And they are controlling your life. They have ruined your life. It's time to unleash unforgiveness. The Lord's Prayer. Powerful. We like to hold on to grudges, though. It's a thrill. It's a buzz. It's a rush. I'll show them. I'll pay them back. But God says, by my power and grace, I want you to do something that totally swims against the current of all your instincts. Release. Release. Unleash, forgive. It's so hard because we're all about ourselves. Do you know that the word forgiveness actually means to release? Do you understand that? I've had a lot of talks with young people in the youth ministry about parents who have messed them up. But when you forgive, I forgive you. I forgive you. You release them. You release them. I forgive. And it releases you. We choose to hold on to this stuff. How do we even begin to do this? It has to be a supernatural act of God inside of us forgiving people. Forgiving. This morning was meant to be a very simple, simple message of forgiveness. Now, we are all about self. Four very quick barriers. Number one, self deception. We rationalize. We tell ourselves rational lies. We rationalize, we that's no big deal. It's no big deal. It's a long time ago. It's okay, really, it doesn't bother me. It doesn't it doesn't affect me now. I'm good. It's okay. It happened a long time ago. I mean they just they just did that, but I it's okay, it's okay. It's okay. It's, it's, I'm fine, I'm fine. What? I'm fine. What? I'm fine. But it does mess us up. We deceive ourselves. Self-defense barrier. We get defensive. We, we, we want to get people back. We want to pay people back. We want to take revenge. I'll take care of this. And we vision in our minds doing things that we shouldn't. Saying things that we shouldn't. Having it out with people. The people that God loves. <clears throat> I'll show them. Which, by the way, is not biblical. Biblical. When we release or forgive, we say to God that we trust Him. We give Him control, saying that you could take care of it better than we could. And Romans twelve nineteen says, Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. Oh, I didn't know that. Cool. I'll step back. God will take care of them. doesn't mean God is going to strike them dead. That's probably what we want. Get them out of my life. People who slow me down, who mess me up, who badmouth me, we wouldn't care if they passed on. We wouldn't cry about it. That is messed up. Man, God says he'll take care of it. It's mine. I'll do it. Let me do it. I think God knows better. The self-image barrier. If you think I'm going to lower myself and admit I was wrong, forget it. You realize that we're at the strongest when we admit the obvious to God and other people. The last one, the self-protection barrier, just going to protect yourself. Just gonna protect yourself. Some of you are like, some of you know who you have to go to. Some of us know who we have to go to. Some of us know who we have to forgive. Who we have to release. And we're sweating just thinking about it. it bothers us. Now this message may not be for you if you've done nothing wrong to anyone ever or no one's ever done anything wrong to you. Then you're exempt. Show of hands. Do you understand that this is for everyone? There may not currently be anyone on your bench. That's good. But there will be. What do you do? God says 490 times a lifestyle, a habit. Oh, you have to forgive, 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 forgive. Over and over again. Now listen, I know I left you hanging with the Doberman story. <clears throat> now picture picture what has happened at this point. This Doberman has gone out into this busy freeway. Cars are screeching to a halt. Swings the bench around because of the momentum and, the, and swinging around. <clears throat> and this bench flies into an SUV, damages it all up. <clears throat> starts to run the other way. Flies into a Volkswagen, damages it all up. And then he stops. He's just sitting there. And of course, the owner... And, and the master, the owner of the gas station, the jogger, the master of the dog, they, the pastor, they're all there and they're just kind of like, what has just happened? Can you imagine seeing this? Now, what happened to conclude the story, and I want you to think spiritually, of the owner of the station ran out into the busy freeway where the dog had stopped. Then the master ran out of the dog. When the Doberman saw the master, he knew. He, you know when dogs see you, they know they know that you are their master, and they know when they're in trouble, they know signals. And when you go out and you' I mean the dog is he, the dog knew that he had done something wrong, something a little crazy. Imagine the insurance story with this. this that's another story, but listen to this. The master ran out. When the Doberman saw the master, he knew what he had done. The master, the master, untied the leash of the Doberman. That's what Jesus does. That's what he does. The owner of the store took the tattered bench back to the dumpster behind the store and threw the bench away. It's a perfect picture. It's a, it's ha- this happened for real. It's a perfect picture. And then the master led the Doberman away to safety. I mean, this is what God wants to do. This is what God wants to do in this church. This is the real F word. Forgiveness. Forgiveness. What an unbelievable love story and a forgiveness story that God had on us. Unbelievable. Mike, you can make your way up. Now, if you are just... Visiting with us. I want you to picture you yourself. You might be visiting. You might be thinking, why do these people raise their hands in worship? Why do these people shout? They've experienced forgiveness. Now, can you imagine? The Bible says we're born into sin. We have no hope without God. We have no hope without His plan saying, I love them so much. I'm going to become God incarnate through my son, Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter if you get it. You just have faith to believe it. And I did that when I was 16 years old. I'm 30. Some of you did that just a few months ago. Some of you did that 35 years ago. But you made it a decision and made a point in your life to say, I want to experience the forgiveness of God. Do you understand, visitors? There are people in this congregation who were addicted to everything under the sun. Messed up, almost dead. Jesus took the leash off through the power of the forgiveness of the cross. All the blood that he shed was for you and was also for the people on your bench. God, this is how I would like to be forgiven. All that stuff you did on the cross, the ability for you to clean my slate, to forgive me of my thoughts, my words, my actions, the places I find myself going, whatever it is, watch. This is how I want you to forgive me. And we go to others and forgive them and show God what we, how we want to be treated with His forgiveness. It's a beautiful story. It's beautiful. So the question this morning, and if we get this, listen. You realize that people on our bench, we always blame other people for not moving forward in God. We sometimes know it's us. We sometimes know we're kind of messed up and we're choosing not to step forward. But we'll blame these people for not reaching our potential. Don't you just want to forgive and release and let go and do something for God? Being liberated from the chain, from this leash that's being drug around. Think of the people on your bench that if you have, you have taken to other relationships and those relationships don't work out. Friends, relatives, whatever, because you have unforgiveness in your heart. Towards people who have done you wrong, messed you around, messed you up, jacked with you. Is it an ex-wife? An ex-husband? The Bible says when you hate, it's like murder. You won't forgive. You won't unleash forgiveness. When someone hurts you, it's like they've created a debt. They owe me. They owe me something. Man. Can you imagine the nerve we would have by saying, God, you owe me forgiveness? You owe me? What would you do to earn it? Nothing. That's the beauty. It is a gift. Could you guys stand, please? If we can understand this this morning, if we can understand... The real F word, forgiveness. And we can carry it out in practice. Now, look, that doesn't mean that if someone messed you around, messed you up, said something, did harm to you, hurt you, and they're sitting on the other side of the church right now, and they don't even know what they've done to you. It doesn't mean, it better be, you better be careful with this. You might not want to just walk over in the flesh and say, I've hated your guts forever. Will you forgive me? I don't think that would smooth things over. You have chosen that. That's your fault, not theirs. So don't put it on them. When you forgive, you become humble and meek and the lower one, and you ask for forgiveness bowing down to that king begging and pleading. Remember one of the definitions of worship is to kiss the ring that is on the finger of God. Bowing down. Humbling yourselves saying God forgive me. It's like going to people and doing that. As Mike starts to play, listen. The altars are a place this morning of releasing Unforgiveness, resentment, pain, bitterness, people who have hurt you. By the way, God, this is how I want you to forgive me. Forgive me. Will you forgive me? God, help me to forgive them from my heart. From my heart. It's destroying my life. Please. The altars are open. Come up. Unleash unforgiveness. Please. God, help us. Help us. Hear our prayer this morning, Lord. Let it be from our hearts. From our hearts. Not just lip service to you, Father. Not just lip service, something we've done maybe over and over again. But from our hearts, Lord. Letting people go setting people free from sitting on our bench. They may not even know it.